you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Okay, before we jump into things today, there were some starbursts left at the front of the room. And so if you're confident that they belong to your kid and they just left some starbursts at the altar, so we have them, okay? I'm just going to put them right here, all right? So I'm not going to eat those. I'm very impressed with the self-control. There's only appeared to be two missing. So that seems great. So I want to talk about teachers today. So I don't know if you could kind of think back uh, in your mind of some of the teachers you've had, some of the significant people uh, who have uh, helped you along the way. There's a couple that I think about. Uh, I think about uh, this woman named Miss Ferris. And Miss Ferris helped us with handwriting back when they, no, I won't, I won't do my soapbox thing about not teaching handwriting anymore, but we had this special paper, you might remember it, there was like some different colored lines, there was like a brown line, a white line, and a pink line, and you kind of practiced the cursive deal, and she brought Neapolitan ice cream on the day that we were working on that, and that was amazing, really just like shaped my journey with ice cream in a significant way. Uh, I'll be honest, when I have, to this day, when I have a Napoleon uh, a sandwich, ice cream sandwich, I think of Miss Ferris. Uh, also, fast forward a little bit to Edison Middle School. It's like probably seventh grade, and I'm in this like geography class uh, with this guy who's got this like Tom Selleck mustache going on. Uh, so he was an incredible uh, teacher, Mr. Hubble. Uh, was his name. Uh, What was amazing about Mr. Hubble is that he let us listen to music while we worked on our geography. That blew my mind as a seventh grader. I think we listened to like Kello FM, you know, so that was edgy, I know. Some of you were like, wow. You know, Delilah, I think, was on that deal. Well, that was incredible. If you're younger in the room today, you don't know, that's okay. Google it, it's fine. But then in seminary, I had another teacher, a guy whose name was Gary, and he taught a lot of pastoral care courses, and he was a really significant person for me. And it wasn't so much like what happened in the classroom, but it was sort of what happened in the hallway. Uh, There was so many moments where he would just like take me aside and be like, hey, talk to me how you're doing. Uh, what's going on? What are you sensing uh, the Lord doing in your life? And as you think about ministry, and it just those were the moments that were really significant uh, for me. And I think probably we could pass the microphone around today and, and we could tell stories of significant uh, teachers that we've had. And some of them probably have to do with the whole ice cream thing or playing music in the classroom. But uh, but I'm guessing that for most of us, the teachers who really uh, shaped us significantly were teachers who saw us, like saw us as people, uh, saw our uniqueness, uh, saw the way that the uh, Lord had shaped us. And, you know, even teachers, I had one of these two, Mrs. Tornberg, who really like had to kick me in the tush is the word that we use in our house for that. Uh, just some encouragements uh, to chase after things in a more wholehearted way and 
I think it's a, a, the gift of teaching, the place of teaching in our world and our culture is really significant. Um, but as I think about coming to the end of 2022, I think our teachers have just been through a lot. I think there's a lot that they've had to navigate. I think there's a lot of questions that they've had to answer. Uh, I would imagine that there's probably been a lot of times where they've gotten in their car and may, they get their little playlist going with their coffee and they drive to school and there's just a lot of questions that fill their heart. Um, questions uh, are around, is like God still using me here? Questions around like, do I have the energy for this day? Questions like, did I wear this last Tuesday? I'm not really sure. And so today, what's really important to us at Invitation is that we name things that sometimes go unnamed, that we are able to kind of hold the experience of people and to not pretend we're just like coming in here today so that we can gobble some Bible knowledge up and then go hit the Jimmy John's on the way home, but to really ask ourselves, like, where is God in all of this? Like, what is the Lord doing and speaking in this season that I find myself in? And so today, if you're not a teacher, don't worry, you don't have to leave. Uh, this is sort of the moment when you're in line and somebody's having a conversation and you're not sure what to do because you can hear and you're trying to, like, look somewhere else. It's okay to eavesdrop a little bit today uh, because I think the Lord would be kind and gracious and good enough uh, to all of us uh, to speak some kind of word of encouragement, uh, no matter what our day-to-day -day looks like. And so if we can talk about closing the book on 2022, and there's different kinds of books in life. I don't know. There you go. Different kinds of books in life, right? And I think we've got different relationships with books. So I can think of books that, like, I just enjoyed. Anybody, like, have a book and you just, you just enjoyed it? Like, nothing else. You just enjoyed it. But then there's books that you wrestle with. Like, you have to kind of, like, wrestle through maybe the content or maybe the way that it's written. And then I think there are books that are guides for us. Like, they guide us through a season of life. And I brought one of those. Uh, this is a book by Donald Miller and John McMurray, and it's called To Own a Dragon, Reflections on Growing Up Without a Father. And when I was 16 years old, this book was a great gift to me because I was trying to navigate, like, what's it look like to live as a teenage kid with a dad who's absent relationally and physically and spiritually and all of that. And so this is a loved book. Anybody got a loved book in your house? This has all kinds of stains and it's, you know, wrinkled. I think I spilled water on it a lot. And, but man, I just have a lot of gratitude for this book because it was a guide. But books can also be surgeons, you know, like there's something that they're healing within us. Like there's, it's a painful maybe process to call us to, to something more. And I think books can be like that, but I also think you know, years can be like that. Seasons of life can be like that. Like some seasons of life, some years are just like enjoyable years. Man, like if we could do 1989 again, that would be great. And some years, not so much. But some years, your sense is that you're just being guided 
day after day, moment by moment through that year. And, and I believe that some years there's surgical work being done. And it's hard and it's painful. And can I tell you, when you have surgery, they put you in a recovery room for a reason because there's a, something to recover from. And so today what I wanted to do is do something a little bit different. Uh, there's a practice that I think is really helpful. It's been helpful to me in my own life, my own formation, my own life with God, is to kind of find a, a story or two in scriptures that kind of lifts up and highlights like where I find myself in life. Uh, that, a danger when we come to the scriptures is that we can over-intellectualize the scriptures. So we can know a lot of the facts, know a lot of the characters. Like if there was a test, we could nail it. But sometimes what happens in the scriptures is that we miss, I don't know, we miss the dirt of the scriptures. Like we miss the, the life of it and, and what's really going on in there. And I think it's also possible when we come to the scriptures, to kind of build like a fence around our heart. Like, yeah, that's what happened to them. That's how God moved there. But that's not happening in my story. I don't think God would move like that in, in my life. So it can become this very impersonal thing. So it's interesting. We have this personal God who was so personal that he came to us as a baby. Like the incarnation like John talks about it like this, like flesh among us, that God becomes flesh and he dwelt, he stayed, he remained. But then we can come to the God of the Bible and it's this kind of impersonal thing. And so today I want to just share a couple stories and maybe there's something in here where you might find yourself. And so as, I, as I've listened you know, to the experience of teachers over the last few years. There's a lot of you who do this for a job day in and day out. And, and one of the things that I've just heard over and over and over is this. It's weary. And so sometimes it's not like what the landscape of the trail is, but it's sort of how long you've been walking it, anybody? Like sort of it's just like, man... I've just been walking this trail for a long time, and is there ever going to be a moment when I get to the clearing? Because everything's just looking the same, and I think as I've listened, man, there's just been a lot that teachers have had to navigate. You know, I don't know that they went to school thinking, our kindergarten teachers, that they're going to figure out how to do online learning with kindergartners. but they had to learn to manage that and figure that out and innovate as they've tried to care for their own families and maintain their own friendships. And I think there's just this collective weariness that can rise up in the hearts of our teachers. And so I thought about, you know, this idea of, you know, teachers just kind of being like wrung out. Have you been there in life before? You know, it's, it's, it's the thing you do with the sponge when you're all done with the dishes, everybody. Nobody likes living with someone where you leave the sponge full of water on the counter. That's for free. That's not in the message today. That's just my life advice for you. Ring it out, put it back. 
But I think we've had that experience in our heart, in our soul. Man, we're just like wrung out. Like there's just not anything else that we could get to come out of this sponge of our heart. And I think it's just like good news today that like Jesus is not afraid of being wrung out. Like he's actually very acquainted with that place. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, we find these words, Jesus is talking to a group of people and they've begun to follow him around and listen to him teach and watch him perform miracles and heal people. And he says this, come to me. Come to me. Don't go there. Don't go to that person. Don't go to that bank account. Come to me. All of you who are what? Who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. So the implication in this is that there's a lot of places to go when you're weary and when you're burdened. There's lots of options. Like there's a whole food court, we could say, of places that you could go when you're weary and when you're burdened. But Jesus says, no, come to me. Like, it's part of why I have come. I've come not to, just to give you all the answers to life and tell you what to do and how to do it and when to do it. But I have come, why? I have come to offer you myself. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm the resurrection. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, it's kind of wonder, like, how, how does Jesus know that they're weary and burdened? How does he know that? I think Jesus knows that, and it's, no, it's not just because he's all-knowing. Thank you for the person in the back. I think he knows that because he knows them. I think he knows that because he's a personal God. And he's chosen to live his life that way among people. And so I think he can see it on their faces. I think he can hear it in their conversations. I think he can notice it in their eyes. And I think it's also significant that it's almost as if Jesus expects that we will feel this way as we follow him. So nobody in the house today feel guilty about being tired feel guilty about being weary. Because I actually believe that Jesus expects that that's part of our experience. Well, why, Pastor Dave? Because he just said, come to me when it happens to you. All of you who are weary and burdened. Because I have something for you. So what is that something like, what does Jesus have that I need? What does Jesus have that you need? I was in Ace Hardware this week because I needed propane for the grill because South Dakota decided to wake up from its winter slumber. Sometimes I feel like South Dakota is like the teenager who like hasn't slept in a long time and then they sleep for a long time. 
And I walked by the bolt section just because I was curious what was going on over there where they were refilling my tank. And there's these four dudes who are like gathered around all the different containers with all the different kinds of bolts, right? And they're having this conversation. He's like, hey, Marty, what are you looking for? Oh, one and seven eighths. You see that over there? Hey, Daryl, right? They're having this whole like conversation. Like, what are you looking for? And I think it was just this moment in my own heart. I'm like, man, isn't that life? Like that, like we're all looking for meaning, we're all looking for purpose, for like the thing that we most need. Jesus says in this moment, the thing that you most need, I have. Like the thing that your heart beats for. Like the thing that you most deeply desire. Like not more applause, not more affirmation but a love that I carry deep within my heart, and it's for you. So when you're weary and when you're burdened, like when you're being weighed down by life, come to me. And the temptation is to find yourself in the bolt section looking for the thing that's going to complete it all. Because why do you go to the bolt section? Because you're missing a bolt. Come to me. All of you who are burdened and weary, and what does he have that we need? Rest. He's got rest for us. A couple things that he has. He has perspective. Like Jesus sees people and he sees things uniquely. Like he sees them differently than we see them. Like he sees people as carriers, as bearers of the divine image. And he sees things not as falling apart, but as being held together by him. So he's got perspective, but he's also got power. That he desires not just to hold, but to give, to extend. In two kinds of power, I think. First is a power to resist. And he's also got power to endure. All over the scriptures, Jesus has moments where he resists. And all over the scriptures, Jesus has moments where he endures. And so I just wonder in the house today, like, what do you need to resist? And have we talked to God about that thing? And what do we need to endure? I think one of the things that some of our teachers might need to resist is the whole idea, well, if I just did more, like if I just worked harder, if I just got up earlier, if I just could like bring the work home. Jesus calls us to resist and he calls us to endure, to stand firm in times that are really difficult. And this perspective and this power is part of his rest. So the rest that Jesus wants to offer us is not just like an hour on a yoga mat or like at the end of the work day, like in the bathtub. Like there's just not enough bath bombs, there's not enough candles in the world to give you the kind of soul rest that you need. And so it's the moment when we can receive from Jesus this truth that like this whole thing it's just not all up to you 
It's not being placed on your shoulders. Like what happens with those kiddos in the classroom is just not, just not all up to you. What's happening with the people who are living in your house is just not all up to you. Like it's all being held together, not by you, not by your effort, not by your ability, not by your expertise, not by your education, not by your passion, not by your energy, but by him. Colossians chapter 1, in him all things are held together. So part of the rest is coming to that place where I just know it's just, it's just not all up to me. That's what I believe that Jesus would desire to give us. So the thing that you are most worried about like, let's go there for a moment. You're like, wow, so encouraging. Thanks for making me go there. I wanted to forget about that thing. But the thing you're most worried about, it's helpful to know that God has been at work in that thing before you even knew about it. You could say it this way, that God clocked in way before you did. When I was 15 years old, I worked at Hy-Vee. And I'd usually work after school from like 4 to 6.45. I know, not a long shift. Give me some grace. And there's this guy named Larry, and he also worked at 4, and every stinking time he was first in line to clock in. So he'd come down the stairs and be like, hey, David, did you clock in yet? I'm like, no, I'm on my way, Larry, thanks. Like, he was faithful. It was always before me. And I think it's helpful for us to understand that, like, God's been involved way longer than we have. And he's working it out according to his power and not ours. According to his timing and not ours. So I think the invitation today from Jesus to all the teachers, all the people who are weary is like, hey, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. I got a perspective I want to give you. I've got rest I want to give you. I've got power I want to give you. So number one, weary, biblical story. Another one that we could talk about. We could talk about angry. I think that it's very possible for teachers who have just been through a lot in the last couple of years. Like there's just this angst. Like there's just been this disruption. There's this, like there's just things like I'm angry about. Like I'm angry about the things that these kids have to go through. I'm angry about like the expectations that have been placed on me. I'm trying to manage all of these things within this little community, within this little classroom, and just angry about it. And I think that sometimes in church we have a hard time talking about anger. Because it's like, can we be angry? Is like that okay to be angry? And if we read the scriptures, we see a God who demonstrates anger often. I want to show you one place. And don't worry, it's not the flipping over the tables thing in the temple. I was going to do that dramatically, but I changed my mind. We'll do it another time. Matthew 12, Jesus is talking to a group of people because they're mad because he's being God. Always going to be people who are mad when God is God. Because he's healing somebody on the Sabbath day. So they're having church, and there's a guy in the back row, and he's got a shriveled hand. 
He's got a hand that doesn't match his other hand. It doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. It doesn't look the way it's supposed to. And Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, brings him in front of everybody, everybody's worst nightmare. Come and stand in front of the church. He's like, hey, come up here. And he heals him. And the religious leaders are like, you can't do that. Because it's the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you're supposed to do nothing. You're supposed to rest. You're supposed to cease. And Jesus is like, oh, so you want me to cease to be God? Is that what you want from me? And he says to them this, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? All the farmers are like, of course. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and was completely restored, just as sound as the other. And I think Jesus is angry. I think Jesus is angry because they're missing it. They're lifting up some law over a person, some kind of standard over a person. And as I have listened to teachers over the last couple of years, like this is a story that I think might resonate with them. Like where I'm just trying to like help kids. I'm trying to love kids. I'm trying to walk alongside kids. But then there's all of these other things that get in the way of that. And I just want to like call them to the front and help be of help to them in their life. And I just feel angry about that. So I think you could be angry. I think you could be weary. Here's the next one that I want to end with today. Doubting. And in Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, we meet this man named Moses. And God wants to call Moses to something incredible in his life. Like, hey Moses, I'm going to use you to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery into the promised land. And Moses really doubts himself. I want to show you I made a chart. You'll be happy. He gives some excuses. Excuse number one that Moses gives is that I'm not enough. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And then he tells him, like, I'm not prepared for this. He says, like, hey, what should I tell them? Like, if someone asks, like, hey, who sent you? Like, what is your name? And then God says something super confusing. He says, I am that I am. Yeah, sure. Uh, number three, they won't take me seriously. Like, what if they question your voice in my life? What if they say, like, no, God didn't really send you. Are you joking? You're not a part of Israel. And then number four, like, I'm not able, I don't have the skills to accomplish this. And then five, like, I'm not capable of this. Please send someone else. Like, have you ever been here in your life? Have you ever, like, doubted? Like, doubted the work that God was doing within you? Like, doubting if you were making a difference? Like, doubting if it mattered? And I think in the scriptures, what's being lifted up in Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4 is to not put duct tape over the mouth of our doubt. Because we have a tendency as people to pretend that we don't have these kinds of moments. It's like when a kid is really tired 
and you say to them, like, hey, buddy, you look, are you tired? No, I'm not. Not angry. Not weary. I'm not doubting. And I think there are teachers over the last couple of years who have done a lot of this. Like they've doubted. Like, do I still have what it takes to do this? Like, is anybody's life being changed? <laughs> Did anybody learn anything today? Or this year? Because it felt really crazy in 201 today. And I think that the Lord would have an answer. The way that the Lord answers Moses. Can I tell you the way that the Lord answers Moses? He answers Moses by saying, don't worry about it, Moses. It's going to be fine. You have little faith. Why do you doubt? No, God says, man, I'm with you. He answers the doubt with his presence. He answers the doubt by saying, you are not walking this alone. And today is not about Pastor Dave with his pom-poms being a cheerleader for teachers. It's not what today is about. Today is about lifting up some biblical stories that you might find yourself in. Like find yourself in the crowd that hears Jesus say, come to me all of you who are burdened and weary and I will give you rest. Like come to me, step closer to me, you can trust me. And it's about lifting up this moment where we see Jesus get really angry because there's things that are getting in the way of why he has come. And maybe you can identify with that. Like things are just wrong, things are just broken, like it's not supposed to be like this. And maybe it's also to lift up this moment of doubt. Like I missed it. Like this thing is passing me by. And what would God want to do with me? And today just might be a, a moment to come to a place of honesty in our own hearts about this. And this is what's so beautiful about the Bible. Is that it's not some book that just like lays on a shelf that you can, you know, pick up after 15 years and like remember like, oh yeah. No, the, the Bible is a picture of the heart of God towards us. And so as we think about this summer... A practice that I would want to really encourage you to is sitting in the sun, because South Dakota don't get a lot of vitamin D. That's number one. Wear your sunscreen. But the second is to find a biblical story that names part of what your experience has been this year. And to be talking with God about that. Because part of what it means to follow him is to step into places of weariness. Part of what it's going to mean to follow him is to step into places of anger. 
And part of what's going to mean to follow Jesus is step into places of doubt. And Jesus answers all of those moments with his presence. And so teachers, I just want to say a word of gratitude and thanks for what you have endured these last few years. The way in which that you have so faithfully gotten up in the morning and showed up again. Because Friday was a train wreck. But you showed up again. Displaying the faithfulness of God. And I'm not going to stand up in here and say thank you for what you do because I don't know what you do. But I am going to say thank you for the person that you have been in the lives of others. And there's no gift card to speak to that. There's no taco buffet to speak to that. But I just would want you to hear the, this word of blessing for you to know that God has been deeply at work in your life and in your heart as you've shown up. As you have endured. And it's not the education you got that's helped you with that, but it's the Spirit of God that has placed you in that place and that has empowered you in that place. And so what I would love to do is I would love to, I'm going to invite the band up, and I just want to pray uh, for our teachers. Not going to make them all come up here. They're scattered kind of everywhere. Some of them are more comfortable, some of them are less comfortable with the front. But I just want to spend uh, some time praying, and I'm going to ask the band just to play a little bit. And I'd ask that you would pray for three things. And we're just going to pray silently just for a little bit. It might feel uncomfortable. Just lean into it. Uh, and then I'll pray kind of as we're done. But the first thing that I would ask for you to pray is I'd ask for you to pray for teachers who are weary who are kind of close to quitting. They're just worn out, they're wrung out, and they just feel done. Not because they don't like teaching, but there's just like this weariness of the soul that has become the dominant feeling of their life. And, and then I just ask for you to pray for teachers who are angry because the system is broken, because of the stuff that their kids have to walk through in life, for the way in which they don't feel seen. And then to pray for teachers who are doubting if they have enough, not for next year, but like enough for tomorrow morning. And I'm just gonna ask that you would pray that they would experience God entering that space. And not as some kind of magic wand that's gonna solve it. And then I'll wake up tomorrow like, I'm so glad I went to Invitation Church because now I could do this for 70 more years. But no, because they had the experience of being seen and heard and God entered 
the space. I think we have a God who always enters the cracks of life, like the places where there's brokenness. And he's the image of the invisible God in whom all things are held together. So we just pray, and then I'll come up, and I'll pray, and then we'll sing. I didn't talk to you about this. This just happened here, so let's do that. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.